0: Welcome to the Evolving Spiritual Practice Podcast. My name is Ralph Cree. This is brought to you in association with Body, Heart, Mind, spirit.co.uk. In this episode, I had the great pleasure of speaking to Samuel Bonder and Linda Groves Bonder um, about spiritual practice in the 21st century. They have worked with so many uh, of the premier spiritual teachers of the last few decades uh, just off the top of my head just thinking of uh, ken wilbur terry patton um uh, rick hansen and uh, i mean just the yeah the, the who's who of um the spiritual world so they 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 have collaborated with with many contemporary spiritual teachers um but they also have uh, developed their own unique um, teaching and path and style of work, which I very, very much appreciate. Samuel is the author of Healing the Spirit Matter Split and the founder of the Waking Down work. He's been a pioneer in the widespread embodiment and mutual evolutionary exploration of awakened consciousness for over a decade. Well, I think he must have written that a long time ago <laughs> because he have been doing this work for a long time, uh, you know, since since the early 90s. Um, uh, they, they Sanya and Linda have uh, dedicated themselves to democratizing uh, this embodied nirvanic aliveness and exploring with others how to create a sane human culture on its foundations. Um, so the kind of crux of our conversation was <clears throat> how to preserve the, the, the great strengths of the traditions, uh, spiritual traditions, of spiritual practice, uh, yet uh, cultivate the, the innovation in the field and what's new and what's different about spiritual practice now than uh, hundreds of years ago. And uh, healing the spirit matter split I think is really the crucial thing uh, for people to explore now um, for two reasons. One is we're currently living in this sort of uh, worldview of modernity, prim- primarily. Um, and <clears throat> um, you know, the scientific materialism and living in a dead, meaningless universe and we're just meat robots. Um, that's kind of matter with no spirit and then uh, prior to that time we had pre-modernity where there was a very sharp divide between spirit and matter and um, the uh, bodies flesh the earth was was unholy and destined for the worms and our spirits were destined for heaven if you were good or hell if you were bad and um Samuel Linda um, disagree with uh, both of those views, and that uh, there is actually no separation between spirit and matter, um, even to think of them as two different things, is, is just fundamentally missing the mark, um, and uh, all of this great mysterious happening is um, the uh, fundamental divine mystery. And uh, we are all that, um, just as we are. So, I hope you enjoy this episode. I really love these guys, they are just wonderful human beings. So, (laughs) Linda Groves Bonder and Samuel Bonder, welcome to the Evolving Spiritual Practice podcast. Thank you so much Ralph, We're very happy to be with you. Yeah, yeah, thank
1: you so much for the invitation Ralph, it's a great honor, thank you.
0: Yeah, well for me it really is such an honor because I've been following your work pretty closely since about 2007. Um, and um, yeah, this is this is just great. I'm, I've, I've got so many things I want to explore with you and I've got a, a big long list of things here. <laughs> so, okay. Wonderful. Yeah. And, so and also you know to say for those listening uh, i've not only been following your work at a distance um in the last few years i reached out to you and have have had some sessions with you individually and also some group sessions you do these wonderful Zoom gatherings called virtual heart gatherings currently um i mean if someone's listening to this in 10 years time then they may not be happening still i don't know <laughs> but <laughs> at the moment as of 2021 um and um yeah so it's been it's been a it's been a, a really wonderful journey for me uh, working with you and just Thanks. to give listeners an idea of you know why why? Why I uh, sought you guys out with your particular uh, speciality. I thought I'd just very quickly sketch my kind of path towards getting into a situation where I really needed help. That your is your particular uh, speciality. If that mm. that's okay.
1: Yes, mm.
0: absolutely. <laughs> cool. We're all <laughs> ears. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Oh, and I. In ter- I, so in terms of exploring your life path, uh, both of you, I, I would direct people to the Buddha at the gas pump interview, the first one that you did, because, you know, that you go into quite a lot of detail about your kind mm-hmm. of history. And, um, Very good. and I would I'd rather next go over that again today. There's some other things I wanted to, wanted to do. Um, and it's a, it's a really good podcast episode. And. Um, uh, I, I would direct listeners to go and listen to that, but y- you can just take from me that Samuel Linda have been around the block for many decades and uh, they, they yeah, very experienced people in this domain. So I just want to paint this um, this, this kind of overly simplified caricature of, of my um, path. So obviously, this is lots of factors all playing at the same time. But I'm just going to zero in on a one kind of aspect um, of my spiritual journey. Um, and it kind of it's along the theme of like a response to the pain of living, I could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've always had a kind of fascination and fear with, uh, you know, it's like that kind of dual love and hate relationship with the darker side of life. So when I was a child I I remember I was fascinated with sharks and snakes and um but I was terrified of them and I really distinctly remember wishing that I could click my fingers and all sharks and snakes would disappear and it was like my way of wanting to make the bad things in life just vanish
1: wow.
0: and um then when i was in my late teens and um, early 20s i got very into magic um, as in alistair crowley magic oriental magic you know that kind of the magic with a k um shamanism the sort of um pre-buddhist tibetan traditions and and stuff like that and really when i look back on it what i wanted to do was to was to become like a sort of all-powerful sorcerer and dominate life basically because you know i just couldn't deal with the pain of living um and then um i was reading alistair crowley's autobiography and he crucified a frog once and um in in the service of his magical activities and i thought it's absolutely revolting and i thought this is not a path i want to go down um at all so that that kind of I was like that got me out of that, and um, then I went was very drawn to very stripped down versions of spiritual practice, like uh, Zen, Zogchen, Vedanta, and uh, Ramana Maharshi, and and, and and those kind of teachings. And uh, you know, looking back on it again, I can see that in a way I was I was trying to conquer life by transcending it. You know, so again, okay, the magical sorcerer thing didn't work. Um, right, maybe I can just escape, you know, from this pain. Um, you know, diligently practice the those kind of meditation practices uh, to the point where you know I had the experiences that are talked about in those traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, which was all quite exciting at the time, but then as, as time went on. Um I felt a kind of this this splitting happening between the sort of transcending part of myself and the part of me that was just still continuing doing all the things that we all do in our lives um, and it became really quite painful and I started to be drawn towards Tantra, uh, classical Tantra and um, you know the, the waking down in mutuality, which is some of your teaching and and books, and um, what it might summarise is the kind of the way of the heart. So there it was like, OK, life, I can't beat you and I can't get away from you. Let's fall, let's fall in love then. Let's try and fall in love and see what happens. Um, well, I love so that. the, the <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, this this is a caricature of my. You know, it's been way more detailed, and of course, all, there's all these things are overlapping. But I, I want to make a point here, for the sake of other people who might find themselves in a similar situation to what I've outlined. Um, then, so you know, during this time, I was also doing Integral Life Practice. So I started that in about 2007, um, and so Integral Life Practice. In a way, is like piling on a big bundle of different transformational practices, creating a chaotic system. That um, the, the 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 kind of pressure increases in that chaotic system, and then a phase transition has to happen. And so, I um, the 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 practices I was doing in body, heart, mind, and spirit weren't necessarily integrated; they were kind of cross-trained but um you know they created this 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 pressure and this i could feel this phase transition happening and that is when at the point i reached out to you because i was having this kind of split inside myself between this kind of transcendent formless consciousness and then the rest of my life Mm. um and it felt you know, when I first w- was getting into that state years and years before, prior to that, it was quite a nice place to be because a bit like a reformed smoker, you know, when you've been exclusively identified with your personality, once you realise there's another part of you that's not your personality, you're kind of like, oh, revolting personality, get away. But like people who give up smoking, they're like, I can't be around people smoking, you know, it's that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, so... I knew that um, your teaching was all about the way of the heart. It was healing this spirit matter split, um, healing duality. You were quite vocal about the um some of the the downsides of neo-Advaita things, that, you know, there is no self, you know, denying our personalities and all of that kind of stuff. And so I knew you were the, the people to, to, to seek. Um, and the, the the final thing before I turn over to you to say was that when I one of the really important things for me was <laughs> for years I've been following a lot of teachers and quite a few of them have fallen by the wayside due to different scandals. And Sometimes at the point where I was getting quite involved in their work, um, and I was kind of ready to maybe go a bit deeper, and then suddenly everything fell to pieces. That happened like a few times for me. And you guys are really delightful people, and um, you you don't trail a wake of scandals. Um, you you integrity is very very important for you, and it really comes across. And so. Uh, at a distance I was watching just to be sure I also checked in with other people, um, who had worked with you. And, um, then, then I, then I actually contacted you and we did a session and, you know, the rest is history, but that just for people listening, I, I wanted to sketch out that path because you, you may find yourself doing similar things to me. And I, I don't mind openly admitting, you know, some of the uh, dead ends I've been down. Um, and, um, there we go. So that's, that's, that's how I met you guys. um, And where your particular expertise uh, can really help the sort of situation I might have outlined there. So that was a bit of a long preamble, but uh, forgive me for that.
1: No, no forgiveness necessary, because it was very important for us to hear from you. And it was great to hear a lot of the, the timeline and the the flow of your being, Ralph, leading you to waking down the mutuality and embracing what was really happening for you at the time and what continues to happen yeah. for you. We're so continues. thank you.
2: That was great. Yeah, what continues to unfold for you as you continue finding your increasingly integrated and integrative way. And that's, you know, that's what, I'm, what I'm hearing from you. Uh, and to me, it's... It's very heartening um, and encouraging, hope-giving, because I don't know your exact age, but you're...
0: Uh, 43.
2: 43, okay. So, I mean, almost three decades younger than me, about a quarter of a century younger than Linda. And for you to be this profoundly seasoned in the deep work this, this, this great, ever-evolving way or, or, or approach to living. Uh, it's really exciting to know that you've, you've got a lot of time ahead of you, knock on wood, hopefully. You know, you'll get to get to live a, a good, good, good long life. Um, and, you know, I know there are also a lot of others of your generation your time, uh, some quite a bit younger, others, you know, in the midst between. And so it, it really gives us hope for humanity coming into, <laughs> it's, I mean, for all of the exalted terminology and, and exotic practices and, and all the rest, it's about becoming Uh, a sane, whole, um, wise, and caring human being. And uh, bravo Mm. on that work.
1: And integral, you used that word integrity and that really, really does flow into how we work with people, how we try our best as limited human beings, divinely human beings, however, to live in integrity.
0: It's, uh, actually, it's funny. My my family has a, a a family motto, dating back a few hundred years, and and it's um, the reward of integrity.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, isn't God. that great? I love that. Well,
0: first of all,
2: first of all, to have a family motto that dates back several hundred years <laughs> distinguishes <laughs> you from most people at the gate. Never <laughs> mind, <laughs> <their wife laughs> with a <the> great motto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know
0: yeah go on
2: there's a couple of things I just I want to go back to the very beginning and also uh, acknowledge and appreciate the the overarching theme of your podcast evolving spiritual practice absolutely mm-hmm. um, you know w- without going into the details uh the one of the most important moments in my my whole process after 20 odd years of seeking and being with a powerful guru and not being able to make the grade and all that, and leaving all that because I, f- I felt I had lost my personal integrity in the midst of trying to transcend ego. And then this awakening process for me kicked in a gear, and I had a, a shamanic mentor at the time. For lack of a better term shamanic doesn't really do justice but we use a lot of the tools and technologies of shamanism and you know I I had left this uh, work I'd been involved in uh, essentially feeling like a failure and in disgrace and then this awakening process kicked in and I you know I, I said to him I said I don't get it how how is this going on for me? And when I, you know, I just kind of, by all, everything I learned and believed for 20 years, I just blown it royally. And he, he said something to me that word for word has stuck with me ever since spiritual practice is not just evolutionary, or spirituality, spirituality is not just evolutionary, it is itself evolving. Mm. And that's really been a hallmark of our, our work, our whole approach. To be constantly looking to see, you know, what are we inadvertently carrying forward that really isn't serving anymore, yeah. Uh, And and what is the new that's coming to life, and how can we best serve that? And it's it's made for a very uh, colorful journey. All through these years, there's been very little that's kind of just stayed the same uh, and, and been able to do so with everybody feeling that uh, it was still full of life. It was, it, it, the work has grown and evolved and gone through shifts and changes. And, uh, and so it, it, it's wonderful to talk with you with that being the assumption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of what people struggle with when they're going through that sequence uh, is inheriting these words from on high that make it sound like spiritual truth is you know, eternally dictated by whichever of the great masters of, you know, of old and uh, nothing about it changes. It's the same practice that it's been for hundreds or thousands of years.
0: But it's, it's interesting to note that if you took something like Buddhism, for example, there were yeah. three major evolutions of that historically, uh, from well, the Hinayana to Mahayana to Vajrayana. And then I mean, you could even argue that Zogchen is a slightly different thing itself. So, you know, those are four innovations of in one tradition. and we we look back at that from the distance of history and we're like oh okay it was great they made this you know this um innovation happened when mahayana buddhism was 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 created and look at all these great teachers who were breaking the mold and and then the vajrayana teachers and um you know and it uh, wasn't that fantastic you know what they were doing all these innovations and but then we don't like people innovating now you know, it, it, it's kind of interesting that it's like it, there's a, at a safe distance. Innovation's okay, you know, for people. Yes,
1: great way to put it. Very good.
0: <laughs> and um, I mean, the, the thing I love about your work is y- you're innovating all the time. So I know I think it started in about 1992 for you, around that time, I, I believe. Yeah, and then you know, your things haven't changed. Uh, um you know it's still recognizable um you know very much so but you're you're always tweaking tinkering coming up with new uh things and you know um different processes and and i and i love that and you're very open about it and you're not you're not like pretending that you that you haven't been innovating you know for sure mm.
2: thank
0: you for that you're gonna say something else
1: no,
0: that's okay. okay. You were going to say something. No, I'm I'm, I'm good. So. Okay, well, so the theme of of of, of this this episode um, is what what does spiritual practice look like in the twenty first century, and so there's there's kind of a traditional scheme in meditation that is presented in things like the 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 ox herding pictures of Zen Buddhism, where and and other areas where roughly you kind of start off being exclusively identified with your personality. Then you start meditating, whatever, experience your formlessness or void, um, you know, that's the kind of circle in these ox herding pictures. And then afterwards, you kind of reunite um, that emptiness, that formlessness of uh, pure awareness with your personality and other people and you're that happy monk coming back into the marketplace with a gift with a bag full of sweets you know giving them to the kids that's kind of like the end of those those ox herding paintings and so we've gone from sort of personality to formlessness to some synthesis of the two and your your te- the, your work is slightly different to that that you don't necessarily have to follow that complete sequence and that there's the see the 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 benefit of the sequence that i've just outlined is that it has a long history you know thousands of years of people doing that yes. so you're kind of you know there's a safety in numbers in that sense but the, the downside is, is that you can get these kind of splittings that happen. So, you know, as I was saying, you know, with, you can go very, very deep into this formless awareness um, and kind of push very hard off your personality. Um, and that kind of happened for me. Um, and but it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. As, and that's as far as I, if I'm understanding you guys correctly, and I mean, I would like you to explain what what's different about the way you see things or you teach them or the, the way you practice now.
1: Mm. Yeah, thank you, Ralph. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing in the spirit matter split because what you're mm-hmm. speaking to with this this pattern, this teaching that is, that is venerable and honorable for many, many years, and really works for some individuals, which is really important. However, sometimes for other individuals, just as yourself, you eventually realized, wow, you know, I am going more into the spirit realm, and the the consciousness realm, and the absolute connection to that, and negating this other part of who I am here on earth. And so bringing those two together works really well for for people who have had a realization as consciousness and then realize there's still something missing. So then they look for the embodiment aspect and embracing personality, embracing relationships. In waking down a mutuality, quite often individuals will have the awakening of second birth that is consciousness and embodiment simultaneously. So this is what is somewhat different in the traditions of awakening perhaps. And some people say, yes, no, I have a little bit of that. Other people say, no, I distinctly had a consciousness awakening. And then later the embodiment piece came in. So everyone is so unique. For me, my awakening really was consciousness embodiment one one experience one happening which completely changed my life in a moment and some will say no first you wake up and then you wake down but for some that's not necessarily so and so what we do in the work is we help individuals very closely as you know one-on-one to discover what is the the path for you What is the process that might be an incremental process that is working for you? Or what kind of practices do you need that might be different from the past? And so we help people discover what those practices and processes are. And we also encourage simply being, simply noticing Mm -hmm. and registering and recognizing in each moment wow, there's that, oh yes, and now, yes, there's that. And how do I feel about that? And does that touch my heart? And oh, there's this individual that I have a great relationship with and how am I supporting that and how are they feeding me and my heart? So I spoke a lot here, you know, there's the mutuality aspect, which is that. You know, looking at others, being with others, and opening your heart to others, because it's not simply a self-realization, it is an other realization as well. And that's what makes it so wonderful, because it's, I want to say, there's the totality identity in that picture, in that experience, and in that shift of awareness and realization.
0: That... Uh, there's something I wanted to, to to pick up on. So what you call second birth in your work is um, different to what a lot of people call awakening, uh, as far as I can see. So, and uh, so uh, in about 2007, um, I was reading some one of Ken Wilber's books. Uh, and it was really I was reading some pointing out instructions and I I just woke up as conscious uh, you know awareness beyond my personality mm-hmm. um, and it, you know it was an event that happened in time but then of course when it happened I realized that I'd always been aware my whole life I just hadn't noticed it um, and some people call that awakening and because it is such a powerful experience people a lot of people and and even traditional teachings can say right well once you once you've noticed that uh you know great there we go that that's what called waking up it's like waking up in a lucid dream or something during your living um but what you're describing is, as far as what I'm hearing, and, and, and please correct me, this, this is what this conversation is definitely about for me. So, you know, I want to sort of say some things back to you as, as what I'm hearing, what I'm understanding, and then please do uh, tinker with it. Um, the second birth for you is, It's it's, it's not. An up and out experience. It's kind of perhaps up and out and in and through at the same time. Um, so, I mean, it, my experience in those at that time was was a bit like suddenly popping outside of my life in a way. Um, although there is no space and dimensions don't really mean anything from that. But you, if I can describe it that way. Um, Whereas what you're talking about is a kind of a, a landing in, um, you know, uh, a, a, an intimacy, it's an intimate experience, rather than a kind of, than a kind of um, going outside of, or uh, it, 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 you're saying it's an embodied, it's, it's consciousness landing in your, bo- in, in your body, into every cell. and. You, you know, z- unifying that, doing up the zip. Uh, you, so you have this this amazing book, Healing the Matter Split, which someone else did your artwork, I understand, but it is the most beautiful piece of artwork. Thank it is, isn't
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> like on, one,
0: on one side, so it's it's a zipper being pulled up. Yes. And on one side, you've got blue, which I presume is like the sky, sort of transcendence. On the other side, you've got like an earthy terracotta thing and the pièce de résistance of this image is the zipper is fractals mandelbrot fractals and it's zipping and like for me when (laughs) i saw that image (laughs) uh, something happened to me and um, and so it's it's this kind of like the zipping of it it together now we are we are squarely in the territory where words really do not do justice to this and it's very hard to point to this experience and i and you i'm you can tell i'm fumbling around but so but i mean you know you're the best people to describe this that what's different about what you call second birth to what a lot of other people are calling waking up where they're just waking up to being aware of awareness simply
2: yeah great great question uh, jump right in
1: <laughs> you want to say <laughs> well real quick on, since i kind of opened yeah go for it a little bit um <laughs> first of all second birth awakening is second birth awakening so it's not an experience and it's not a split um obviously which we were talking about there's consciousness there's spirit and there's matter it is the embodied conscious awakening, and so it's very solidly in every, as you said, every cell of your body. Now, individuals do have very profound samadhi states, you know, um, connection to the source, if you will, where you your awareness is not in. Embodied, it's not in your personality. It, you are you are in the void, so to speak. I've had a couple of those experiences. When I had second birth, it was very much not that. However, what I realized in the awakening of second birth was that what I had been experiencing as spirit over here and matter over here, and I knew that there was still something missing in between. The two came together and became one, or as Samuel coins, the onlyness of conscious life. And I knew in that moment, it was in a meditation in Samuel's room, and gosh, many years ago, 96 now. Yeah, in your your Greenberry apartment. I knew in that moment that it wasn't simply an experience that would come and go, that it that felt and became very profoundly every part of who I was. And I could feel me not just being in the field of consciousness, but me being consciousness and very aware of my awareness as me, recognizing consciousness as me. So that may sound, as you said, the words kind of are hard to... To put out there, you know, with the experience
0: itself. I, I think some sometimes imagery, you know, people often turn to poetry and and imagery and yeah. and that kind of thing. And that's one of the reasons. I, I just that book cover of yours, that image. Yeah. yeah thank you so much for. It, it transmits something.
2: Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yes. You're the first person who's ever. The marriage. Who's ever spoken to it, we felt it was quite an achievement that cover, so thank
0: you. We We
2: did have help, I'm forgetting who it was. Anyway, um, yeah, this is an ongoing project for us really has been continuing to clarify, what is this? work, this process, this approach, whatever you want to call it, and how does it differ from the traditional approaches and discoveries? And and if so, how? And from very early on, I mean, in both of my first books, the first one was called The White Hot Yoga of the Heart. And subtitle was Divinely Human Self-Realization and Sacred Marriage a breakthrough way for Westerners. And the second one was waking down beyond hyper-masculine dharmas. Something again about a a breakthrough approach because it it felt to me like something had happened that was completely unexpected in many ways. It, it, It had aspects of you know, clarifying consciousness and, you know, other, other dimensions of, of the total process have reference points in various traditions and approaches to growth, development, transcendence, integration, and so on. But the, the essence of the event uh, appeared to be distinctive. And it's actually taken even until relatively recently, it's really been in this last decade, that we return to a focus on the heart with a capital H. And we began to develop, I don't know what you'd call it, it's not exactly a motto, but it's sort of a, you know an essential message. Uh, the sun, S-U-N, in your heart, capital H is rising. Uh, in other words, there is this event happening at, at the very heart or core of our existence that is itself the activating engine, the driver of all of these changes, even though there's a necessary dimension to the work that is essentially experienced as, okay, I am going to practice X. I'm gonna go do whatever that is, or within or however we frame it. But the deeper recognition for us is that, again, kind of almost a a mantric way of saying it, the one great heart that we all share is coming alive and awake in as in through every body. We really emphasize body. Meaning whole being, not just the material part, but also not the material part somehow merely being blessed by a consciousness, a spirit, a presence from on high or yeah. from the outside.
0: It's not it's not the same as that phrase, the body is a temple.
2: Exactly. I was yeah. just saying that to someone yesterday. Yeah. You know, if you if if the concept is the body is the temple of the spirit, another Dimensional event is possible that to us is very exciting because it it it, it relieves us of the uh, the residual biases and assumptions uh, about the uh, well uh, Teilhard de Chardin. Um, in one of his autobiographical statements, he said that his Jesuit superiors, you know, he was the founder of the evolutionary mm-hmm. understanding of, among other things, spirituality. But he said his Jesuit superiors drilled into him that matter is, this is pretty close mm-hmm. to a quote, at best the lowly handmaiden of spirit, and at worst its mortal enemy. Mm-hmm. And you know, that kind of says something about our, at, often at best ambivalence about this bodily existence. So what we see going on in the process and, and we're getting an unstable message. Here. The
0: audio is fine.
2: Okay, uh, what we're seeing happening and, and from the beginning, the reason I called it a second birth is because though I'm not a trained biologist, um, so I can't you know, vouch for the, the biological science of it, but also biological science doesn't yet really honor the reality of consciousness and of spirit. You know, some ways it's moving in that direction. But a way to see it is that There is an activation of our total nature that occurs in this process that is analogous to what happened when the sperm and the egg uh, joined, and that tremendous uh, event catalyzed the whole development of an embryo. And, you know, shazam, nine months later, here comes another fully formed little tiny human being. And in this case, however, in the second birth, this time around, that conscious principle becomes increasingly self-aware. So that the event is one in which consciousness and matter are taken through a next iteration Mm -hmm. of something like a conception, gestation, and birth process. Mm -hmm. And in the course of that, one of the kind of signal events that takes place for most people, though not everybody, part of our experimentalism has been wonderful, because people have been free to say, sorry, that didn't happen for me. Mm And we get to say, oh, wow, good, tell us more, rather than, well, that can't be it if you didn't go through it our way. But part of what happens is that for some people, and Linda was alluding to this, there's literally no distinct moment of the, the quote unquote waking up of consciousness or that discovery, like the way you yeah. say, you kind of like you. your beingness popped out of your body almost or was felt to be transcending including but greater than the materially based personality and for some people the 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 term that became popular in the community we didn't come up with it was oozing people ooze into this second birth and for that reason you know some of our friends including people who would become teachers kind of have shied away from that whole language of second birth because they it seems to imply that you know you were not born and now you are yeah. whereas for some people it's more of a gradual process mm-hmm. and it well, takes I, a- I,
0: I think I think biological um uh, labor is is not a Event. <laughs> you know, Thank you. Very good. It's, it's, not uncommon, <laughs> it's not uncommon. to you know be in labour for twenty four hours or even yeah. longer. Um, and yeah, that's so, a very good point. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I when I think so, um, you know, my experience of, of uh, be, becoming aware of awareness that, that happened instantly, um, yeah. and then after that point, to, to more or less degrees, never went away. Right. But, um, but what the the the, the heat they're the kind of bringing together of spirit and matter, you know, that kind of transcending and um, the opposite, you know, is for me, that's been a, a an oozing experience. Uh, uh, so, you know, it hasn't suddenly like in a clap of thunder, um, you know, emptiness and form have become one. Uh, it's been an oozing experience for me, and 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 as a result of that, quite painful, you know, because it's like you want it to end. It, well, I've wanted it to end, and yeah. just like you know, just get done, please. And yes. um, and and I feel like I contacted you, and you were like midwives, um, mm-hmm. helping me through that oozing second birth type of thing. Um, and, and I think I was looking for, um, yeah, it's true. It's, um, um, looking for an event, I think, um, yeah. even though, even though for years and years and years, I've known that, um, it's not about looking for something. you know, something The uh, you know, all those phrases like the journey is the goal. It's all true. Right. But, you know you only learn, learn that after years and years and years of of yeah. speaking like crazy <laughs> but i i was still kind of hope you know like thinking that was going to be the way it was but it was this kind of like stretched out over time you know which was yeah. a little bit unpleasant um yes
2: yeah. absolutely and and really um the integration goes on and on oh know?
0: yeah 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 um, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, i think i'm i'm going to be stretched out you know, right. but you know I don't want to be uh, I, I mean this this will come this will bring us on to another topic, um which I won't bring up yet because it will take you you were I interrupted you, Samuel. I think you were
2: well, you know th- thank you, thank you for saying that. And another thing we've said over the years is great, you've had a second birth. Welcome to your second life. Now you've got to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. And it's not by any means a, a head figuring merely. Yeah. Exactly. Though certainly it takes thinking things through, discernment, et cetera, but it's an ongoing process and there are you know, a number of ways to delineate stages within that awakened living. A lot of the people we work with, or you know, a good number of people we work with now in that kind of coaching midwifing way that we, we, we work with people Uh, quite a, a good number of them have been awake in this fashion for a decade or more, even 15 years or more. And they're discovering, they're coming up against next challenges, next necessary emergence kind of transitions that now there's, again, no map for. And this time around, however, it's even more the case, as Linda likes to say, there's no cookie cutter. There, you know, it's not like, oh, check in with Samuel and Linda, they've got the map. Whatever we've got that's mapped, we deliberately keep as kind of stark and simple as possible, because the more you map it, the more disproof <laughs> is gonna show up in the living of it by people. Yeah. But uh, I, I, oh. I just wanted yeah, to sure. finish one piece. Sure. That term waking down came out of my own experience where I didn't know how up in my head my, what I like to call the center, center of gravity of my identity was. And in this kind of version of a witness awakening, we call it embodied feeling witness consciousness, not just the witness. When that took place for me, and that language actually came out quite a bit later, there was such a coming down and, and a, a grounding of that center of gravity of my identity in the heart and also the whole body. And much later, it, it's dawned on me, well, that, act, that falling down is a, a secondary event that's made possible by the the total heart nature coming increasingly alive and awake. The identity shift that's got that downward quality to it, that's not the main event of the whole life, but is one of the symptoms, you could say, not using the word negatively, or transitions that becomes possible for people. So more and more of that greater heart nature literally brightens in some ways literally and in some ways figuratively the whole being and propels us into these further transformations and it really doesn't it doesn't look anything like well um, my body is the temple I am spirit or I am a spiritual being having a human experience and there's other language that no, no 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 this is the organism's own event and uh, yeah I'll stop there. I
1: wanted to quickly just jump in and and respond to a piece that you spoke around your process your path being a little difficult you know and and frustrating at times Mm -hmm. because you were looking for an episode or an experience to happen you know the thing to happen in a moment and that's so common with so many people, and then how frustrating that can feel, that kind of speaks to the core wound yes yeah. well that,
0: that was the thing i was was going to bring up Yes, um, yeah yes. which which is one of the great things that, uh, that you really emphasize yeah um, which I love so much
1: Yeah, so we also call it the heart wound of separateness and confusion. So basically the heart wound, the core wound is intuiting and knowing on some level that you are spirit, you are consciousness itself, and yet you have not realized the embodiment aspect of that. So there's still that split and confusion sometimes around what do I do next in order to get that experience or that full realization of conscious embodiment so it it it's a torque, and it can be really difficult sometimes for others, and not so difficult for others. So, it's again, it goes back to the individuality and um, how individuals show up and what is their needs. So. so.
0: Yeah, in, in in all different areas of life some people get things with hard work and some people just get it you know and it's just the way it's just life get over it guys <laughs> uh but, um, i don't mean you guys but just guys in general yeah, of course, people um, get over it people yeah
2: we, we appreciate right. that and you know, could be proven wrong but my sense is that the living of this kind of life has its share of ordeal. Mm. There is something about even if you popped into your second birth quality of awakeness with you know almost no labor <laughs> or very little uh, that the process of uh, the, the further integration in our living of our full divinity and our full humanity if you even want to use those words as if they were different that's a problem right there but you know it, it's a, it's a good way of good enough way of signaling and you know Linda was just saying uh, it was actually one of those great moments of a kind of spontaneous tinkering uh, been using this phrase the core wound for many years distinguishing it from the spirit matter split in a particular kind of way Uh, and people had issues with it it sounds psychological or it sounds so negative or whatever and then we 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 branched it out or or filled it out well it's really a core wound forward slash wellness paradox, Mm -hmm. which is true. And and you don't get to the wellness by going through the wound. They actually are realized to be utterly simultaneous. And you can never piece that apart. And you don't actually heal it. Yeah. You know, what what changes is you become conscious as that. And eventually, in 2018, we were having a gathering here at our home and I was talking with one of the people there and the phrase, the heart wound popped out of my mouth, but I was seeing it in my mind with a capital H. And that was an important distinction because a lot of what people tend to struggle with is an assumption that the core wound is kind of like their core issues. Yeah. It, it is itself personality based or at most it's something that's in the precinct of the individual soul, that sense yeah. of our soul nature.
0: Yeah, like your, your core issue that you've come to heal in this life. Yes. Okay, that's what yeah. People kind of phrase it that way.
2: And people can, even though we've always said, this is not the same as core issues, yeah. which certainly have their own reality and are important for us to deal with and integrate and learn how to manage and regulate and all that. So that heart wound is really, one of the ways we've been phrasing it lately is it's it's about owning our godness, especially as we've been living this awakened life for some time, allowing the psyche to become imbued with the, the attributes of divinity without losing the clay feet on the ground and everything that goes with it including the capacity to recognize having hurt someone and say i'm sorry and being confused and despairing and going into deep grief and all the rest of our natural human capacity so you know this is really a, it, it's that kind of a an opening out into the fullness of who we each are here and how to collaborate together
0: yeah so so, how it relates to this um thing of where I was kind of wanting so I think one of the things what I was hoping would happen was that life would suddenly become really comfortable forevermore, um you know, like getting into a warm bath, like just ah, there we go, no more troubles, I become one with everything, and this teaching that you that you know I, I great is it great relief deep relief that you great great relief. Great yeah, relief. yeah I read, read that book yeah and <clears throat> um, because I'd heard you talk about it before and that so the, the archetype that was kind of the archetype for me for a long time was the kind of bit like the stone Buddha statue but. Mm. Increasingly, it's becoming more and more uh Jesus. And the way I see the distinction is that Jesus knew. So he had this moment in Gethsemane where you know he's like sweating blood and knowing that what he was about to go through and had a moment of wobble, but then was like, okay, this is what I gotta do. you know i'm going to be deceived by by my most loved friends i'm going to be tortured to death unjustly by people who are just ignorant and all of that stuff and in a way that is the story of all of our lives and what jesus did that was different is he knew that and then voluntarily lived that way and that that this wound that's at the heart of life itself is it makes me think of some uh, some imagery i don't know This is film the fountain and like he's looking for the uh have you seen the fountain darren aronofsky um it's kind of like looking for immortality and you know finds this thing drinks this cup it's, um and then just sort of like all these flowers just burst out of his body he just basically kind of like just and just turns into a whole bed of flowers and it's obviously it's a pretty horrible thing he's going through but it's that's what it's all about (laughs) Um, that um so this kind of feeling of being oozing and stretching out and kind of thinking oh when's this going to come to an end at a certain point it dawned on me that that's missing the point and that this kind of this oozing and stretching and being pushed and pulled is part of this. The pain of the, the wound at the heart of life and and that it, it's not about. So this there's is this there's is great pressure in the spiritual culture, therapeutic culture, wellness industry and stuff to heal all wounds, you know, just just tidy it all up and um and and also in a lot of the spiritual traditions the meditation traditions those kind of classical enlightenment imagery from you know buddhism and hinduism and all sorts that um it's the kind of final release from this burden that you kind of drop the burden but there's a kind of there's another move which i see really exemplified by jesus of actually shouldering that burden because that's what what the whole thing's about not the whole thing but it's one of the key aspects of what is going on here you know in this great happening um and so I've, I'm kind of slowly letting go of that urge to, to you know just get get away from all the pain and that there's something deeply meaningful about it so the the times when it's really made sense for me have been in psychedelic experiences um particularly with ayahuasca where the understanding of the importance of suffering and pain and what it actually does Mm -hmm. for the world really makes sense but when i'm not in that state i find it very very difficult to articulate Um, as you can see (laughs) but I can I'm I can feel there's something really important about the wounded heart at the center of life and it it's 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 the fountain of beauty of caring um, of courage bravery all of those those good things you know and you don't get we kind of we're we're trained to want um want all the goodies you know it's like okay well yeah we'll accept that 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 wound at the heart of life is there because because it's the it's the source of of all the pleasure and beauty and and and, and caring you know but it's like we'll we're, we're just kind of we'll bear that just because we want the good parts of it and it and that's not it either um yeah. As far as I understand it. But yeah, so there we go. I've, <laughs> I've kind of gone, bleh, like, my mind is just floated oh, out just, there for Yeah.
2: That's fine.
0: Go ahead. Yeah,
1: John. I quickly want to jump in about the fountain where you named off all, all the things. And then there's also when you go into that pain and recognition of the, the gratitude of the pain, that opens up empathy for all sentient beings, all creation, and connecting with that can open up the heart. And it doesn't minimize sometimes the pain that you are actually feeling in your own personal self in your totality identity, once again, or whole being. It opens up the heart so that you can identify and feel others. And all all things with that empathy, so that's a really important piece to bring in as well, and that's that's part of the jewel. That's one of the flowers.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's the it's, the, it's a path to that feed that unification with with everything with, with through empathy.
2: Yes, and that's you know I, I love I love your your description of the transition from <clears throat> the stone Buddha archetype to the living
0: jesus but, particularly that him. image of him actually holding his heart you know it's kind of like opening his chest and yes. there's heart.
2: The yeah, sacred, sacred heart. heart of jesus mm-hmm. yeah. yes. and it, it, it seems to me that's that's part of the calling you know there's that that axiom uh uh Let's go, from those to whom much is given, much is required. And so the blessing of this realization, this wisdom, this, you know, along with and as part of that great heart wound, the wellness is really quite profound. a you know, mm-hmm. big focus for us is helping people Understand that there's a, a, a fundamental wellness and joy that really becomes unshakable. In part because it is so organismically grounded, you know, yeah. it's 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 not floating around somewhere, and you're having to constantly be vigilant and try to reinforce it and all that. But at the same time, there is this identification with sympathy with empathy for, the pain of living, and, and the suffering that all sentient beings go through. And so there's there is a, a Christ-likeness to the journey that we get to live out 21st century in our largely quite ordinary ways. You know, the, the time of the, the mythic great hero, that's over. You know, we're, we're in this together.
0: And-, and, and I think everybody's normal life is a genuine heroic journey. Every, yeah. single, every single person yeah. loses everything they love, everybody they love. They will get ill, hopefully, if they're lucky, get old all the maladies that come with old age, and you'll die. You know, that is a run-of-the-mill life. That is, that is there is nothing more grueling. I mean, going to Mount Everest, you know, going down the Amazon River, you know, all of those are great things, but just a run-of-the-mill life is as tough as it gets. Mm -hmm. And this
2: is, and this is, this is what. thank you. It's as tough as it gets, and this is where, the godness becomes rooted in the 21st century through our evolving practice, that we we get to live these lives in those ways. And the degree to which we become more and more, in some ways, identified with the infinite, even in our everyday Mm -hmm. daily awareness, is matched by the degree to which, sure enough, we are afflicted by the, the pains and, and the ordeals of being here. Um, you know, one of my, I'm not particularly a fan of Allen Ginsberg's poetry in general, but there is one poem he wrote that was uncharacteristically quite short. Mm-hmm. It called, I think it's called The Work. And, and it goes, while I'm here, I guess I'll do the work. And what's the work? To ease the pain of living. Everything else, drunken, dumb show.
0: Yeah,
2: and on some level, you know, I mean, it's a little reductive. There's a lot more depth and dimension to it, but on some level, that's what we're here doing. Or like Ram said, walking, walking one another home.
0: Yeah, so, and so I, I, th- I, think there's, there's a, there's a difference between a person who, uh, who's got, who's, a, who's established their recognition of themselves as the all um doing that and somebody who is exclusively identified with their personality and they and they don't have one foot in the infinite so to speak um you know it's like early in my life in my early 20s i was very into activism and you know student and um Mm -hmm. I I, I kind of got burned out by it all because it was so distressing, Um, and I didn't have I didn't have that kind of deep even keel that you get with that feeling of 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 the infinite, you know, your infinity, Um, and you're at and you're at homeness with this very moment as it is. and and there's a be, it's a very different thing nowadays i'm still an activist in many ways um but i have so much more courage and reserves of energy to do it because because i'm different now than i than you know was back then um and um yeah Pete, yeah i thought that was just an important thing to say
2: Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And that's that's what that's what we want for as many human beings as possible to become anchored in the all consciously and simultaneously be fully engaged in our everyday living, which includes so many of the pains and maladies, both physical and psychological, emotional, relational, you know, all that's part of the deal. Mm. And, um, but you know, it, it, it feels to me, I mean, just to kind of complete that a little bit, our work ourselves has gravitated into primarily Well, on one level, we we want to reach more people. We have a major book we're working on together, and that's an exciting project. And we hope it'll reach a lot of people. But in terms of the actual in-person work, so much of it is serving people who are here already making a difference or Mm -hmm. knowing that that's their calling and they've got to do it as best they possibly can, and to help as many of that kind of people come into the fullness of this heart realization, capital H, whole being, presence, and the the paradox of being both infinite and finite. Uh, that's, That's our calling, and it's become very focused. We realize we can't, we thought about creating another version of a kind of a, Teacher training program. And we we realize that's not that's not it, because it's not about getting people to all agree on the principles of our teaching as we articulate them. It's about helping them find out what their unique expression is. You know, maybe they'll quote us a lot, but maybe not. And maybe they won't be in a primarily talking mode. Maybe their service will be. <laughs> Uh, much more expressive through the arts or Mm -hmm. or or the caring professions or whatever so
0: it's um, one of the reasons uh, another reason why i sought you guys out is that um, i sought you out because i see you as authorities uh, authority figures but at the same time you know i i wouldn't come to see you if you didn't know something that i didn't currently know (laughs) um or, you know, maybe I knew it already and you were just facilitating it out of me or whatever. But um, but at the same time, you, you're all about mutuality, that we're doing this together. And it's not, and and I know that, Samuel, you spent a long time um, as a student of Adidas. And, and Adidas was like the, you know, the sort of archetypal authoritarian guru um, uh uh, you know almost a sort of perfect example of it and and i've been in many situations with people like that in my life gone to see different teachers and 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 there's and and i've i so i was i taught the drums um in schools uh for 14 years so i was a, a teacher for a long time teaching kids and adults how to play the drums so I knew what it was like to be a teacher but I, I always had had this thing where we were doing it together I was I was helping them learn I was I was helping them bring something out of themselves rather than putting something into them mm-hmm. um, so I, I knew I knew what it was like to be a, uh, a good student and what it was like to be a good teacher and I was really looking for that with people who could help with you know this great matter of living <laughs> it's not like playing that yeah you know, it's kind of similar you know there are parallels between learning a musical instrument but you know it's it's a big thing and you're you're trusting so i i have um pr- prematurely trusted people in the past um and it hasn't worked out well uh with, with this great matter of Living, uh, yeah. living and dying, and um, so I. It was quite wary, and I and I've got you know be- developed quite a an alarm system uh, around that stuff, and so I, I think your approach th- that you use this term mutuality, uh, I think, is one of the hallmarks of a twentieth twenty first century spiritual practice container where you and it's not it's not that everybody's equal and i I don't mean it like that because Mm -hmm. you you wouldn't seek advice from people if that was the case so you know it's 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 being able to hold i mean it's so much of what we're talking about is being able to hold two things at the same time Mm -hmm. you know in your heart (laughs) um that you can, you, you, you know, it's, it's important to seek people who are, you see as authorities, but at the same time, you're working together to do something. Now, maybe you could, could say something about that, please.
2: Yeah, well, um, we talk about the, 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 the tunis of equality in being, so there's a kind of, a, we could say a horizontal uh, equality. And in some ways that's the senior principle. And then there's a differentiation, uh, uh, an authentic, not a dominating hierarchical uh, display of skills and capacities and so forth, but one that is there for the betterment of all um uh, such that we go to other people who know i mean if i wanted to learn how to play the drums you know I'd get online with ralph crea you know i don't know how to do that yes yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's a, a potentiating hierarchy
2: exactly ah, beautiful thank like you that. i'm gonna quote you. yes
0: exactly it's a potentiating That's hierarchy true.
2: and to keep it grounded in the equality but not flattened out yes you know so there, there's always a dynamic tension and, and you know if you if you're looking at it as horizontal and vertical it's you call it a kind of a hidden cross mm. human nature and mm. sure enough there's a certain crucifixion that we undergo living that out working things through given that everybody's got their stuff and there's all kinds of inherited projections that we tend to have to deal with, you know, in our interactions and so forth and in ourselves. So yeah, thank you, that's- uh,
0: there, there is, uh, I won't name this teacher, um, <clears throat> but there, there's a teacher who I was very interested in their work um, for a long time. And I think they took the, we are all the same too far. And to the point where they had students, teach really early like almost straight away like actually teaching making videos that other people were watching and i and i was watching these videos and i was like there is a distinct difference between this um uh, neophyte is that the right word i don't know like someone you know this person who's, who's yeah, just, yeah. they've done the weekend workshop and they're now teaching and uh, and the actual teacher and it was like well i want to watch the teacher's videos not this other person's and uh so yeah that was kind of people going too far the kind of we're all the same we're all equal you're yeah. all awake you know you don't need to do anything to you know yeah yeah, yeah. well what, one thing i i wanted to uh talk about was um monogamy like a long-term monogamous relationship as a, a kind of powerful practice in, um, you know, showing up and cleaning up and, you know, our, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, uh, if you were to live as a, so there was a time when I really wanted to be a hermit living in a cave. Um, and actually I, I did spend six months solo backpacking in the wilderness in Scotland. Um, and after that, after six months, I was like, "No, no, this is actually not what I want to do." <laughs> and I went, came back, and I, um, I actually got married at the, t- you know, after that, and um, you know, had, had a very intense relationship, which um, was, you know, very transformative in many ways. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm married. We've been, I've been t- together. I'm actually in my second marriage. Um, but we've been together for 10 years and, um, you know, it's been, I wouldn't have it any other way my own life. You know, that's how I, I, I really like this as a container for, well, we re, we reflect things to each other. I mean, if I was in a cave on my own, um, I wouldn't have another person bouncing myself back to me. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, um, you know, that makes, it makes it, it's a frictionless life in a way. Being a hermit, in that sense. I mean, obviously, it's difficult being a hermit. I'm not saying that's easy, but um and and that friction when you when you spend day every day for years on end with a particular with a with a loved loved one, that you something really really powerful happens, and I and I think there There seems to be a move away from this kind of monastic drive that was very prevalent you know in past in past centuries and the century we're in now relationships are much more seen as part of the spiritual path um yes yeah so i right. but then if there's if there's anything you you could say about that
1: yeah some traditions actually say that it's a terrible thing to be engaged in relationships and, you know, you need to move away from your family and really focus on self. And that's also an ancient tradition that is a venerable tradition for some, but not for us Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not for many, many people. And I love that you brought in that that has shifted obviously to more relationships and mutuality and intimate relationship that actually can ground you and center you in an awakening that's already established or assist the awakening along the way. I know that was very true for me with Samuel. I met him in 94, as I mentioned earlier. In 96, I had my awakening and we had a spontaneous marriage in 95 where it was just known, he gave me a ring. And it was, it was marriage right then, not legal but five years later in 2000, we got married legally. And something about that commitment solidified in, in both of us, something very, very strong and secure and our needs to work together and to continue to bring this work out into the world only amplified. And it's still that way this year, you know, this very moment. So it's very important, I feel. I think it also adds to each individual learning off of each other, you know, even through friction, as you say, there's, there's, jewels even in that to learn about self and then to learn about the other and then also take it out with other relationships perhaps. So thank you for bringing that in.
2: Yeah, and I think human nature being what it is, um, there's a significant likelihood that there will always be people who gravitate even from early on uh, into if not necessarily literally a monastic life in a monastery in, in that format uh, people who who just aren't moved into intimate relationship uh, as part of their path mm-hmm. and I don't well,
0: yeah to- I've I, 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 just for the record I, I'm, I'm not, uh, not not just for people listening I'm not saying uh, categorically that the only, you know, it's very important to be in a relationship. <laughs> um, yes. no, yeah, more in the sense of, um, you know, relationship can really help this, this, this stuff
2: Yeah, get yeah. cooking. Yeah, yes. and that's, Thank you. you know, my, my, my sense is that more and more in the 21st century and who knows maybe beyond, I mean, we're, we're only early into this century uh, but more and more committed relationship uh, is the, the cave, if you will. It is the, the place of the great transformational uh, catalyzing activation going on. And there are so many uh, wonderful potentials in it. And, and we both, uh, just to you know, affirm, though we had been together and going through various explorations for several years, when we actually did get legally married, as Linda was saying, it, it solidified something. And the, the force of that commitment also very quickly revealed for us, because we'd done a lot of work and had both been awake for you know, some years at that point. Uh, It became evident that, well, the the anchor in the onlyness, in in the in the all, is simultaneously something that we're alone in, and something that is the essence of our intimacy. So, talking about a paradox, it's both and, both alone and both uh, and utterly intimate. And shared in that sense. So it's you know, it's the anchor for both of us in the midst of the trials and tribulations that sure enough do come down the pike. But I really wish it's another thing that I wish, I know Linda <laughs> feels the same way. We wish everybody to have access to this quality of living. Like you're saying, it doesn't immunize anybody from the possible distress and pain of what we can go through here. But it sure adds a dimension of an essential sweetness no matter how sour or bitter things get in in the way life unfolds. And I wanted to say something else about that just quickly. Um, This acknowledgement and acceptance of the pain of living as part of the deal, which you you voiced very beautifully. And by the way, Ralph, Mm -hmm. you have a wonderful capacity to distill these very abstruse and challenging qualities of existence. You distill them into simple essences very well, and I really want to encourage you
0: to continue to do that. Because I'm not I'm not intelligent enough to go to make it too abstract. Well, however you get there, blessing, the great blessing of, of, of. However
2: you get there. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: thank you. But, you know, the, 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 the thing I want to add here is given that pain is part of the deal, it's totally OK to find ways to increase pleasure. Mm and find ways to maximize. We, we, we did a, a course that we're looking to bring out again, hopefully later this year, as a, an evergreen course called Maximizing Joy. And you know, we had a whole bunch of people, including Ken Wilber and Rick Hansen, my dear old friend, Terry Patton.
0: I was just gonna mention Rick Hansen, taking in the good. Yes. Yeah,
2: Mirabai yes. yes. stars, you know, we had a bunch of people come on and do bonus interviews, which mm-hmm. was great. But, you know, the the thing there is, as it turns out, when you're living that both-end openness, what's pleasurable winds up having a capital P. You willingly undergo certain kinds of pain and distress and ordeals that, you know, don't look or feel very pleasurable at all. But they satisfy the deeper call of the being and that becomes the ultimate pleasure and it includes the capacity to veg out in front of a movie you know do all the ordinary stuff as well as the deep holding of someone in their growth and transformation
0: yeah that makes me think of two things one is so rick hansen has his practice he calls taking in the good and from his sort of neuro dharma perspective on it uh you know the way he describes it we are wired up to focus on negativity much more than positivity because you you know it's much better to mistake that stick in the road for a snake five times than to just see what you think is a stick and go oh it's just a stick ouch i'm dead you know um, <laughs> and that t- when something good happens to really drink it in because it is it's nourishment it's, it's like a it's an actual food for our soul oh, um nice. and um you know they there's something about the kind of spiritual traditions that have that kind of valorize an austerity you know uh particularly in the sort of you know, I did, well, I mean, actually, I was going to say Christian, but it's it's there in the Indian traditions and, you know, very yeah. much. And um, that there's something base about pleasure or or, or savouring pleasure. It, there's mm-hmm. something lowly uh, about that. And um, um, uh, yeah. And then the other thing was that there's, <clears throat> you're saying that some so if you were living this awakened life, you know, uh, that some of your activities may look very unpleasant for somebody else. But you are saying that they have a, a pleasure with a capital P for that person. And it makes me think of having children. So I've got two kids, they're five and seven. And it's been the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but it's it's been extremely hard work but it's it's been it's been so meaningful that you know i would call it it has been my pleasure with a capital p to raise my two boys mm. but it's been horrendous at the same time and you know someone who doesn't have children would would look at what i've been through the last 7 years and think that does not look good to me you know it's not fun <laughs> but there, there's a distinction between that kind of like you know, there's a distinction between between pleasure and m- something being meaningful. And yeah, yes, um, yeah. yeah.
1: Go ahead. I, I yeah. wanted to jump in a little no, bit please. here. I so appreciate what you're saying about raising your boys. And yeah, the pleasure and the difficulties, you know, of raising any child is can be a stretch. And yet, there is so much love present in that. And then I want to go back to what you were talking about um, pleasure being different for individuals, you know, and how a lot of times, as Rick Hansen points out, you know, we tend to go to the negative. We forget sometimes to actually open up awareness and recognize the little subtle joys of everyday living. You know, could be so simple, could be as simple as me looking out the window and seeing a beautiful bird fly in into the bird bath taking a bath. Wow, you know? And so I think it's important for each of us to find these little moments of joy and gratitude for what we have in place here in the moment as human beings and then spread that to others, right? Mm -hmm. So here's a quick story. Just the other day, we live on a horse ranch. We rent the home here on, on a horse ranch. But it's a working horse ranch and a young man who works here on the property saw me the other day and said hey linda you know i'm i'm having a horrible day so i spent quite some time with him just asking him questions and saying well what's happening you know why why are you feeling down and he's telling me and i said okay well you know you can hold that and i was su- suggesting some things and he said okay yeah well you know it's it's really hard. And I said, yeah, it's really hard to be here, which is one of the chapters in great relief. Yeah. And he said, yeah, it's really hard to be here. But I, I wanted to segue into helping him notice what he actually has in place, yeah. the, the, the miracle of what he's created, yeah. and who he is. And I started naming off some things. And I said, well, what about the new house that you just moved into in Petaluma. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool place. And then what about your music? And and he's going, yeah, you know, and so it shifted, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we get so mired in these places of feeling down that we forget to notice what we actually, not should, but are grateful for yeah. And to bring in those those subtle awarenesses. A lot of times we dismiss and negate the subtleties
0: of our beautiful lives here. And I think that's what people can do for each other in relationship. You know, that well, that conversation you were describing yeah. could have it, so easily been a conversation that I have with my wife, you know, yeah. almost every day. You know, one of us is like, we're getting down about something and we're like, and they, the other person says, well, let, you know, just they're uh, slightly shifting their, their gaze to, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, they, but what about this? And there's this, yeah, yes. and you can yes. do that for each other. I, I
1: saw this young man the next day, he yeah, was leading a horse a great, to great the story. field and he goes, from a distance, I'm watering in the front yard. He says, hey, Linda, and I go, hey, how are you doing? And he goes, I'm doing so much better. Thank <laughs> you for that yesterday. That was awesome. And I'm going, oh, yay, any time my door is always open. So sure. it was so great, though, to hear that he actually, I think I assisted, but I think he also made a conscious decision in yeah. that relationship that we had to, to,
0: take, to, to take in the good.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. There's, there's another beautiful, speaking of images, um, a third story uh, between Linda and this, this guy, Tomio is his name. Uh, we we just coming out of a heavy heat wave here. And on one of the hottest days, Linda's out watering some of our plants. <laughs> and Tomio, who's a very it's lively guy, room. comes so running great. over. He's just burning up out there working his butt off.
1: 102 degrees. 102
2: degrees. It. What was it he that said? You
1: want... I'm in the back. I'm I'm spraying <laughs> the roses. He he runs up and he like a like a You know, so excited, Linda, Linda, spray me, spray me. At first, I couldn't understand what he was talking about. So he's going, I'm hot, spray me. And I went, oh, yeah. You know, so we were laughing so hard. I soaked him. And he, he was like, yeah, woo. It was just one of those joyful moments for me, too. And he ran back off to do his work laughing hysterically. So, and, you know,
2: in some ways, it's a similar kind of thing. Yeah. You know, having one another yeah. Yeah. ways. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, speaking of um, Rick Hansen, you know, one of the great images he came up with for that curious dynamic of where our attention goes automatically uh, is uh, mm. the negative is like Velcro for us, yeah. mentally mm. and emotionally, whereas the positive, the pleasurable, is like Teflon, slides yeah. right off yeah it takes real work. We like to call it learning how to not add unnecessary reactive suffering to the inevitable pains of being alive so that you know when when the hard stuff is going down, we're not doing this additional piece of beating ourselves up about it. yeah and sure enough, everybody's got, you know the Pain points, the triggers, the the old wounds and traumas, where you know we tend, like you're talking about with you and your wife, you know, we tend to descend into a self negativity on top of or in addition to whatever it is that life is presenting us in the moment. And learning those skills is definitely a major part of 21st century uh, evolving spiritual practice. Yeah. I feel that like it's
0: super important once when i was um about 19 i took some lsd and i went to the new forest which is like a big forest in the south of england and they have loads of ponies there and um and i had one of those moments where i'm sure a lot of people do on the spiritual path where i I, I was like i said like right now show me the meaning of the universe like what like show me the meaning of life what is this all about i want to know right this instant now and i mean it wasn't saying it out loud and um and this pony did the biggest fart i mean you know horses and you know <laughs> on and on and on and on, and on. It was, its butt was right near my face and, oh, it was such a release uh <laughs> oh
1: that's hysterical yeah. <laughs> i love it there you I love have it. it uh spirit spirit and god shows up in mysterious yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: the, 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 the great cosmic joke um, so we just got a couple of couple of minutes before you got to go um i mean there's there's just yeah, so so, it's been a really wonderful conversation, so rich, and there's just so much more um, I want to explore with you. But so we've got two, two minutes left. What, is there anything that you feel you really want to say in these last two minutes?
1: Well, I just want to directly speak to everyone and anyone who's watching and listening I always want to say wherever your life, your spiritual practice leads you, blessings on your journey and continue to explore to your heart's content and bring it out into the world. All of your gifts, everything that you are and who you are, bring, bring it to the world. Thank you. And, yeah, And thank you,
2: Ralph. Yeah, thank
0: yeah, you
2: so thank much. You. Um, yeah for me um, the sun in your heart is rising and it's the same sun in my heart it's really the one and only sun in our shared one and only heart of hearts and allow that heart nature to reveal itself to you find the help you need gravitate in whatever directions call you. you know, trust trust your inner prompt more and more and make use of help that can reflect you back so that you don't inadvertently you know, go into a wrong direction or, or get stuck. Um, but yeah, welcome, welcome to the next stage of your journey wherever it's taking you. And thank you for being here on this planet caring about these things uh, in this time with us here's the oh, cover the spirit matter split that uh, Ralph was talking about and all those little little edges there a little fractal yeah designs mm. and that's the uh just wanted people to be able to see it
0: yeah <laughs> I think I think you know the last thing I'll say is is talking about um images that transmit wisdom and understanding i think the fractal really does that um Uh you know it's like the first time encounter fractals i was like yeah yes (laughs) yeah Yeah.
2: indeed yeah and, and i you know i do want to also say um we'd love for you to contact us we're happy to have you know a brief conversation at no charge you know just to get to know and uh please do feel free to get in touch with us and i guess ralph will have some i will
0: yeah i'll put in the show notes a link to your website but just just in case someone's listening to this and they couldn't be bothered to look at the show notes what what is your um website
2: the webs. the main website is dot uh we're in the process of just getting started to update it, it's pretty old. But particularly if you go to the calendar page at sanyalandlinda.com, you'll see listed there the main events that we're offering, which include several kinds of events that we offer each month. And also, I do a daily uh, short meditation session on Facebook uh, at uh, the Waking Down and Mutuality page. So uh, those are some main things, and uh, people can just write info at Human Sun Sun Institute, Human Sun uh, Write and say, yeah, I'd like to like to get in touch with Samuel and Orlando, Orlando, and uh, yeah. you know, please make sure they, they get my
0: message.
1: And we would we will. love to
2: hear from
0: you. Yeah, <laughs> great. Well, I yeah, I can highly recommend you guys, and. Thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate this. It's been a great honour. And um, have a lovely day. I made all the music that I use in my podcasts. If you'd like to hear more of my music, please visit SoundCloud and check out my profile, Ralph Cree.